Warning, the following podcast contains foul language, sexual themes, and all sorts of other fun stuff. Listener discretion is advised. It starts with one, one thing. I don't know why. It doesn't even matter how hard you try. Keep this. Hi. Hello. Is that your intro? I I don't have anything else to say about these. I chapters. just I just like when you started doing that, I leaned back in my chair and I pressed down on my my closed eyes so hard that when I opened them and looked back at you, I was dizzy. Would you say that you pushed back on them so hard that they're now crawling? <laughs> Stop. Stop. You cannot just spend this whole episode covering Lincoln Park. I'm sorry. Poorly. Poorly covering Lincoln Park. You have to include that. Oh my god, we got a title within the first two minutes. Oh. We did it! <laughs> Speed run. <laughs> I need to start writing things down when I... Because I've had multiple occasions where I um have, like, in the middle of an episode been like, Oh, that sounds like a good title. And then I just completely forget. And then I have to, like, scrub through the episode trying to find something to make a title. I was very happy with last week's title because when I listened to the episode, I laughed my ass off at that part. And I was like, <laughs> that would be a great title. <laughs> was that the Angela's uh, dressing yeah. room fantasies? Uh-huh. Good. That was a good one. Last week's was not as funny as the week before. But I think it's just because I was so fucking angry at Rosalie. And the I entire was episode. Calling for the mass murder of bad people yes <laughs> yeah i walked away from that conversation a little bit like is that me okay she seemed really intent on <laughs> bad people just being murdered in droves <laughs> i don't this, like people that hurt people this is why people have entire doctorates in ethics because uh, it's incredibly multifaceted and you could have conversations about right or wrong until the sun goes down. I'm not going to tell you that I think you're wrong. I just don't agree with violence. So maybe I don't like, like... I don't like violence. <laughs> unless it hurts people that have hurt people because they're e no longer people. <laughs> Emmy, what? Sometimes, qu <laughs> sometimes quiet is violent. <laughs> Sometimes quiet is violent. I find it, I find hard, it hard to hide, to hide it. Pride, pride is, is no, no longer, longer inside. It's on my sleeve. My skin will scream, reminding me. me of who I. Wow, we're just gonna we're just gonna rap. We're just gonna we're rap just gonna be this emo today. <clears throat> that is twenty one pilots. I know it's over. I was born a choker. <laughs> okay, that is their newest song, Choker. What is this intro? <laughs> I was like, I I, I forgot. Just decided I was going to come in and do a lot of bad singing and rapping. <laughs> I thought at one point that it was my intro this week, but I remembered before we started that it was not my intro. Um, and I was going to make a joke about how, um, I accidentally was reading the Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, not Brotherhood, Full Metal Alchemist manga instead of Midnight Sun because I got my Edwards mixed up. Oh my God. I, <laughs> on that similar note, I was telling Steffi while I was reading this last night that I w it was so hard because, so first of all. I went to see um, the Demon Slayer movie last night. Okay. Don't worry. I'm fully vaccinated. I support uh, you. But on the way there, I stopped at Barnes & Noble to pick up a little book called A Desolation Called Peace, which is a sequel to a book I'm pretty sure I actually recommended previously on this podcast called uh, A Memory Called Empire. And I have not had my ADHD meds for quite a while. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, if somebody would like to give me lots of money to get my <laughs> ADHD meds, I'd appreciate it. Uh, but because of that, I find 
sticking to a task extremely difficult and sticking to the task of reading these five chapters last night was extremely difficult while I had this new book that I actually cared about sitting literally two feet to my right just staring at me yeah and Steffi's like Emmy you can't read it you have a job to do and I'm like ADHD brain don't care yeah the unfortunate thing is also I only have so much reading energy throughout the week um because I also have crippling ADHD. I also am unmedicated. But I've also never been medicated. So um, who knows what I could accomplish if I actually took something for my rampant issues. Uh, I read a whole book when I started. Yeah. So I mean. <laughs> um, and uh, I just like can't force myself to read very much. Because it's it is very daunting to have to sit there and just look at a page in front of me. So I have a little book by the name of Gideon the Ninth uh, sitting <laughs> on my coffee table, yes. just waiting for me to read it. I've read the first page probably four times, be- but I just like, and every time, every week I'm like, oh, you know, once I finish my chapters for this week for Midnight Sun, I'll just like dive straight into Gideon because like I'll already be on a roll. But by the time I shut Midnight Sun, I'm just like, I don't want to process any more words on a page (laughs) if it alleviates your guilt at all steffi finished gideon this morning that doesn't alleviate my guilt literally at all she did it i can't i now have somebody that at least i can talk to that finished the book (laughs) that's a good point (laughs) i'm really struggling i was reading um the novelization of anna and the apocalypse which if you haven't seen it If you like horror movies that are also Christmas movies, that are also musicals, that are also comedies, you would really enjoy Anna and the Apocalypse. Um, But I have the novelization of it and I was reading it. And then I just like, I stopped. I was like 40 pages in, I think. And I just like couldn't. I just can't. It's, I think it's because I am so deeply exhausted every single day. When I get home from work, um, because I work a very tiring job, that I don't want to use my my brain to consume anything. Is it do you don't want to, or that you don't feel capable of it? I don't feel capable. Because I can res- I can relate to that pretty hard. We have to stop. We have to stop talking about this. We have to talk about the book that everybody is listening to us. I don't know. I told Steffi last night I was considering just not reading this anymore and then just <laughs> making you listen to me talk about a new book instead. But she doesn't think that would be good for the show. Yeah. And she I think... is our producer. So, I mean. <laughs> I think it would be best if we uh, continued on the path that we're already on. Though I do have my uh, my copies of the first three Maximum Ride books right here on my desk, ready to go. I'm not there yet. I know you're I'm not. St- I'm still dragging myself through the trenches that you are Midnight Sun. You didn't have Midnight Sun until the day before we recorded the first episode new gender who's this (laughs) (laughs) shall we talk shall we talk about about midnight sun chapter 11 i don't want to but i guess i have to go ahead ed goes to pick bella up in the morning uh worried she won't like him after having slept on her previous night's revelations he gets a little horny (laughs) thinking about uh how cute bella is but stops himself from lingering on it when they Fingering? get to, <laughs> yeah, when they get to school, Ed is nice to Jessica, despite Jessica being a massive bitch. He says that he's going to be nice to Bella's friends, even though her friends aren't very good friends to her. Which, like, I don't know why he doesn't tell her how disingenuous Bella uh, Jessica is, but you know, I like, I could get, I would get it if Ed was a better. I was going to say better person, but I don't mean better person. Better at being a person. Yeah. <laughs> because, like, generally it's bad to isolate people from their friends. And since she can neither confirm nor deny the accusations yeah. he makes about Jessica, I could see him being like, I'm just going to let her relationships go unless they're dangerous and yeah, play out their normal human course. I get that, especially because he plans to leave her at some point, so not wanting to just, like, blow her whole life up before just, like, ditching. Yeah, I can get that. 
Uh, Ed gets horny again, but stops himself. Again. (laughs) He listens to Angela's thoughts to try to find something she wants so he can thank her for being so gosh darn good, but she doesn't have any vocal desires in her head. He listens to Bella and Jessica's conversation and is baffled that Bella wants to smooch on him. Uh, They have lunch together and Rose is all mad that Bella knows about vampires. Angela is so good that her goodness spreads to her being a motherly figure for her siblings because she's a woman and she's motherly. Uh Uh-huh. And that makes her good. The, like, the defining (laughs) characteristic of good and bad women in these books is frequently how good of a mother they are. Like, look at Emily and the fact that she's very motherly towards the entire pack and Bella (laughs) and a caregiver. Yeah. As Ed frequently describes her. Esme, also a caregiver. Uh, Angela. Renee is a bad person. Rosalie wants to be a mom, but, like, not for the right reasons. Rosalie is a spiteful bitch because she doesn't get to be a mom. Yeah. But you can still be... Like, what gets me is, like, Rosalie is definitely, like, a turf. Like, she doesn't... Oh, God, you're right. (laughs) She's very turfy. Because, like, Esme is a mom. She is extremely motherly and feels very fulfilled having her vampire kids. But Rosalie is just, like, she. I don't think she would ever see that as being wholly a mother. Like, it has to come out of her vagina in order for her to feel like she's actually a mother. What a fucking turf. Um, so when Be- when uh, Jessica is, like, asking Bella, like, oh, did you guys kiss? Like, did he kiss you and stuff? Edward's like, oh, my God, no, of course not. And Bella's, like, all blushy. Like, she's like, no, we haven't kissed. And he's like, she doesn't want to kiss me, does she? She has to know that that's too dangerous. Why would she want to kiss me? I feel like um, Ed doesn't comprehend that just because something has an inherent danger to it doesn't mean that somebody doesn't want to do it. I want to kiss Mothman. I know he could rip my spine out through my nose. Do you do you know uh, that lots of teen pregnancies occur because uh, kids want to have sex even though they know that they could get pregnant? <laughs> oh, the, yeah. The, the inherent risk involved uh, does not deactivate their desire. No. Especially because he's already been over the fact that Bella doesn't really care about how dangerous it is to be with him. So, like, why would it be so outlandish that she would want to smooch him? She wants to drink the venom right off his teeth. Not to mention, like, he... He wants to kiss her. Like, he wants to be intimate with her. And the fact that he's like, she can't want that. You want that! So why wouldn't she want that? Do you think the venom tastes good? She does eat a piece of pizza during this lunch scene that he has taken a bite of. And he's like, the venom, like, won't affect her by being inside, like, by her eating the pizza. And I was like, why? Why not? Does it have to go directly into the bloodstream? Is that is what we're like, learning? Is it like sperm where prolonged contact with air slowly decreases the population? I don't think that you can drink rattlesnake venom. Like, I think it's still gonna fucking kill you if you drink it. Is that how poisoning works? <laughs> that you take things that are venomous or poisons to people and you just put them inside them consume them them? yeah i don't know though like i can't say (laughs) like that's so stupid but like i can't say for sure and i'm not googling it whether or not you can drink rattlesnake venom i can't imagine it's a good idea I i can't either like it's still gonna get into you it's like the thing is is like the the venom isn't gonna get into her bloodstream okay but like the things you drink still get into your bloodstream that's why we have blood alcohol levels wait wait (laughs) a second are you telling me that alcohol enters the bloodstream 
Yes. <laughs> Venomous snake FAQs. <laughs> are generally not toxic if swallowed and must be injected under the skin by snakes, spiders, etc. into the tissues that are normally protected by skin in order to be toxic. So like... <sighs> However... We do not recommend drinking venom. <laughs> although possibly although possible drinking venom is certainly not advisable. Uh, even the smallest ulcer or cut anywhere in the mouth or throat would allow venom to be absorbed. Which is the thought that I had is that literally any kind of opening. Yeah. Anywhere. She bites her she bites her lip all the time. You're telling me this bitch doesn't have dry, chappy lips? I have dry, chappy lips, and I don't even bite my mouth that much. I just... Why would... No. No. Chapter 12. (laughs) (laughs) So, on their way back from lunch, also Rosalie's a fucking bitch... Oh my god, yes. That whole lunch sequence, she was just, like, screaming at him in her head. Just like, how dare you, you motherfucking douche nozzle prick boy. She even, like, intimidates Bella when Bella looks over at them. And uh, Edward is like, fucking stop. And she's like, Bella started it by looking at you? Hold, Hold on. Hold on. Edward isn't just like fucking stop. Oh, Edward yeah. hisses at her. Yeah, they do that a lot. Uh, chapter 12. Yeah. Uh, so on their way to biology from lunch, uh, Ed passes Angela and Ben. And she, he, looking into her, he- her head, realizes that she is interested in Ben. And fretting over the pain of unrequited love. He looks into Ben's head and goes, oh, never mind. Ben wants to fuck her, too. So uh, he decides that his gift to Angela is going to be finding a way to set her up with Ben. Yeah. Which, when we Um, get to that scene, I loved it so much. (laughs) So then Bella and Ed sit through a very charged movie viewing. It's extremely uncomfortable. It, it happened like, in the first book. It's just so fucking weird. You're just in the dark. I So, like... Here's the thing. When I read it from Bella's perspective, I was like, this is the weirdest thing I've ever read. I don't understand what's going on. From Edward's perspective, oh, still fucking weird. Still very weird. But at least from his perspective, he's... He's got the scent of her blood and everything. Yeah, and he's fighting the urge to touch her always. He spends, like, I I haven't noted it very much, but he spends this whole section being like, I cannot touch her. I'm going to... Because he's afraid he's going... If he touches her, he won't be able to stop and he's going to kill her. It's so prevalent that I've just blocked it out mentally. Yeah. And so, like, (laughs) at, at least I can understand that he is literally fighting the urge to touch her. He, he says multiple times, and I keep being like, is he just going to hold her hand or what? God damn. But he keeps, like, almost grabbing her hand and then not. And so, like, I can understand that he is dealing with the temptation of not wanting to touch her. But it's still weird. It's still so odd to read. Bella is soap. Bella is soap. What does that mean, you ask? It's that she's fragile and delicate, like a soap bubble. And Edward has very good tactile control. I'm sorry. Uh, this book is weird. It says weird things. I just, like... <laughs> I understand that he struggles a lot not to kill her because her blood smells so nice. But for so much of this book so far... He keeps saying, like, I need to leave her. I need to, like, find a way to not be with her because I'm going to ruin her life and all this stuff. And I'm like, Edward, I've said it many times, but I'll say it again because I have to live inside your brain right now. 
Get over yourself and turn her into a vampire. Do it. Please, put me out of my misery. I cannot handle this. By far. Was your goal when writing this to make us suffer the way Ed suffers? Yeah. Because, goddamn, <laughs> you're doing a good job of it. But it doesn't make for a great experience. By far, the best part of the gender-bent version of Twilight, Life and Death, is that the ending is changed. At the end, Bo, the main character, just becomes a vampire. Like, they don't have this whole issue where whatever her name is, Edith, doesn't want Bo to become a vampire because of her soul and stuff. I think that issue still exists. But I, I don't think it's like, they just let him become a vampire because it's the easiest solution. But, you know. Can't have that. Can't have that. Can't have a resolution that makes sense. Nope. Because then you, you wouldn't have your next three, three books. So you got to drag it out over three more books and have some weird pedophilic overtones. And Hey, our, I, I like to live in our revised canon where Edward becomes the villain after uh, Twilight when he leaves in New Moon and he becomes the villain. And over the course of the next few books, they have to like fight him. I, I live in that canon. Especially given the context we get a little later in this section. Oh, yeah. It very much is a possibility that, like, could have happened. Yes. <laughs> so, anyway. Uh, yeah, they... Ed leaves bio, and it turns out that Ben sits behind him in Spanish. So, Ed ropes Emmett into his little plan and makes a whole show of talking to him about how he wants to ask Angela out and blah, 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 but she isn't interested in him because she's too interested in Ben, whoever the fuck Ben is. <laughs> um, the whole scene is kind of cringe, but like in a sweet way. Yeah. It, Ed is very conscious of how they're perceived, how the Cullens are perceived. So he just makes use of that to act like he has no idea who anyone is. And it's actually just kind of an, above like has this mightier than thou yeah i'm above you mentality yeah he's like oh, ben ben cheney or something like that i don't know who that is and emmett's like he's right behind you dude dude, dude he's right but and emmett keeps like improvising and saying like dumb shit that's like obviously referential to the fact that edward's in love with bella and uh, it's really funny because Ed had, like, fed him lines to say, but Emmett just keeps saying random shit just to fuck with Edward. And what Edward was... at one point says that he is grateful to Rosalie for nothing, if not the fact that she brought Emmett into his life. He says that Emmett is the best brother. And I love the fact that throughout all of the books in the last series and now this book, Emmett is the only character that has no point gotten worse. Yeah. <laughs> Emmett yeah. has always been great. He has always been great. Even earlier when he was trying to tell Ed to just like eat the girl and get it over with, he wasn't doing it maliciously. He was just trying no. to be like, dude, you're suffering. Like this is going to cause more problems than it's going to, you know, than you're going to be able to solve. Like, let's just get it over with. Like, <sighs> The only one whose reaction I had a problem with in that entire scenario was Rosalie. I even understood Jasper, even if he was a little... <laughs> yeah. Rosalie just wanted to kill her because she didn't want to start high school over. And because she was jealous. Yeah. Her reasoning was just so bad. We, we talked about this in the first episode of Midnight Sun, um, about how they could, like, stay in a town for a very long time and nobody would ask questions, especially in a really small town where they live out in the middle of the woods. They might be able to never leave. I, But I think living amongst people is kind of the point, even though they only live amongst people when they're like at school and they never hang out with anyone outside of that. It kind may be the purpose. Yeah, it might be something about how it desensitizes them to always be around people and to make sure that they continue to be around, you know, people so that they see them as people rather than Maybe just seeing just them as 
going through the motions. Yeah, something like that. I don't know. It. I do think that the only flaw in my logic about how they could just go live in a house in the middle of the woods and there wouldn't be an issue is that Carlisle, I think, would be sad not being a doctor. Carlisle, big sad. Like, I think Carlisle really... That's probably the main reason why they move around so much is because Carlisle likes to help people. Because you think about the Denali Coven. They stayed in the same place for hundreds of years. Is it really the fact that Carlisle wants to help people? Or is it the fact that Carlisle just needs the opportunity to put on his little mustache and go tickle other men's? I'm sorry. What was I thinking? Of course it's how gay Carlisle is. Why do you think it took him a little while to adjust to Esme's being all interested oh my god because he'd always been gay and let other men tickle his mustache carlisle <laughs> carlisle all right anyway so ed listens in uh during bella's gym class and it mike and her are paired up for badminton and she literally just stands in the back of the court until the coach says something and is like, yo, you got to play. And so she tries to do one swing, hits the net, apparently yards away from the actual birdie, hits the net with her racket. It rebounds into her head and then into Mike and hurts them both. At which point the coach thinks about the fact that she's just bad luck for everybody around and turns his back so that she can go back to not doing anything. I, so when we were reading the book, the original book, Twilight, um, I said that I think Bella is less clumsy and more petrified at the thought of being clumsy. And I'm not discounting the fact that she is uncoordinated, but I think it's definitely amplified a lot by the fact that she thinks she's going to fall or fuck herself up do you miss a swing by several yards like yeah that's what got me was that she thinks she's gonna fuck it up so she just like doesn't even look or doesn't even like try she just kind of swings because she's like i have to do something yeah we gotta keep in mind think about the width yeah of a badminton or tennis net it's only a few yards wide. Yeah. If you miss by a few yards, you're basically missing by the width of the court. <laughs> Excuse me, allergies. Um, yeah, no, it it's quite silly. It's silly. I feel like it's been exaggerated a little bit. Too much. Yeah. Yeah. Just with everything in these books, it's just being exaggerated by quite a lot. So Bella finds out Ed was listening in again after Jim. Uh, it's also after Mike was like, this little stupid bloodsucker should stay away from her. And she's <laughs> like, mind your own goddamn business, you stupid, spiky-haired, frosted tip motherfucker. And, uh, yeah, so she's upset, and it's like, I'll let you drive when we hang out Saturday if you aren't pissy with me. <laughs> um, so then he drops her off at home and uh, goes back to his place. And Rose wants stabby. Jasper wants run away. And Carlisle contemplates the con- complications of the treaty in the modern day. Yeah. Um, one of the things that he points out is that there are no... Well, as far as they know, there are, but not they don't know about them right now um there are no werewolves left i think it's only sam yeah it's only sam right now um but they don't know they don't even know that sam is there and so they're like look because edward points out that the kid broke the treaty and carlisle is like it doesn't matter that they broke the treaty like we can't attack them. They're literally yeah. just people. Like, it's it's not the way it was back when the treaty was signed. Like, I'm sure there were plenty of werewolves back then. But now it's just a bunch of teenagers. Like, you can't just, like, there's and there's no werewolves. They're just people. So we can't, like, go and enforce the treaty in the way we would have back then. 
And even then, I'm not sure that Carlisle ever would have enforced the treaty because the treaty was made specifically just so that he could live in peace, not so that he could fight some werewolves. And Rosalie, of course, is happy to jump on that. Yes, it's not their fault bandwagon by going, yeah, Ed, it's your fault to begin with that he told her anything. And it's like, yes, it's Ed's fault for fucking existing. Yeah, it's like (laughs) what we're missing in a lot of this is like the the nuance like Rosalie doesn't have any nuance because she doesn't understand like and the and I was rereading that section where they had the conversation in the house after Edward saved Bella Edward doesn't say out loud that if Bella had been bleeding in the parking lot it would have been worse he only says it in his head so he like I don't I don't like Rosalie don't get me wrong but he doesn't really explain that part to her. And I honestly wouldn't expect her to realize that without it being explained to her. She's a little too focused on just being hateful. Yes. And so like Edward in saving Bella the first time, both endangered them, but saved them because, you know, Bella finding out on her own that they're vampires is much less bad than Edward draining Bella of her blood in the middle of a parking lot in front of a bunch of teenagers. Um, You don't think it would go well if a crowd gathered to watch Edward licking up her spilled blood off the asphalt like a kitten drinking spilled milk? Stop! No, I don't think that would have gone well. But, uh, so... And Bella figured out that he's a vampire pretty much completely on her own. The fact that Jacob told this story to Bella is a complete happenstance. Like, he could have been telling that story to fucking anyone, but it just so happens that he told it to Bella, who already suspected that something was going on with the Cullens. And used her womanly wiles to extricate that information. Yeah, Edward makes the comment later that it worked. <laughs> um. So... At this point, I'm, like, not mad at Ed at all. Like, none of this is his fault. None of this is Bella's fault. It's nobody's fault. Like, it's just things that have happened that are really unfortunate. And, yeah, Rose in theory, he could have... somebody to stab. Yeah, pretty much. He could have, like, just gaslit her a bunch and then left town. Like, that could have been an option. But, like... I don't think that would have been right any more than what is currently going on is right. Rosalie's a stupid bitch. Rosalie is a stupid bitch. Chapter 13. Um, so this is a lot. (laughs) This is a lot. So Ed goes back to Bella's to watch her sleep, then listens to her morning conversation with Charlie. When Ed picks Bella up for school, he asks her questions, which we... New happened in the first book. We didn't actually get to see all of her answers to those questions. But in this book, we do get to see all the answers to her question, to his questions. So. What? Some of them get incredibly painful to read through. (laughs) Like the very first one. I don't mean that kind of painful. Oh, yeah. I mean dull to the point of being like why the fuck are we answering these why did you write i was literally screaming at the book and lucy my dog was next to me just staring at me like what the fuck is wrong because she legitimately wrote a section about bella's ceiling fan in her room in phoenix a ceiling fan it was i was okay with it purely because it felt like the kind of mundane thing that Bella would find to be completely boring, but Edward was just like wrapped listening to everything that she was saying because he wanted to know everything about her. But I was still really annoyed that it happened. Yeah, 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 for sure. So he says, what's in your CD player right now? Which is actually a question that we got to see answered in the first book. And if you remember, he says, what's in your CD player right now? And the answer was a random punk band that she didn't even know the name of that Phil had gave her, given her the CD for. And then Edward just so happened to have that same CD in his car. <laughs> well, in Midnight Sun, we get the clarification that the CD is Linkin Park's hybrid theory. <laughs> New metal. Thank you. 
not a punk band. A new metal band. <laughs> I would have accepted emo. I, I could have accepted that. <laughs> but not a I, punk band. I just like thinking about the fact that for over a decade, Stephanie Meyer was just sitting there going, the CD was hybrid theory. The CD was hybrid theory. The CD was hybrid theory. <laughs> and the entire impetus for her writing Midnight Sun was just so she could put in this line that Bella was listening to Linkin Park's hybrid theory. <laughs> um. So she even says that like she's not really into music. Um. She just kind of listens to whatever anybody else listens to. Um, which is why she was listening to that CD because Phil was trying to like broaden her horizons, which is very funny. I like to think of, it's like an interesting thought to me, though I should clarify something that I have thought about since we read the first book. So we said a few episodes ago, I don't remember, that the important thing to remember about Charlie and Renee is that they are in their mid thirties. Because they had Bella when they were, like, 18 or 19 years old. Which means that when they when Bella talks about the fact that Phil is too young for Renee, that means he's, like, in his 20s. Oh, God. He's, like, imagine him being, like, only 10 years older than Bella. Yeah. It's so weird to think about the way age differences like, age differences are odd to think about anyway. But for the fact that Renee was basically a teen mom, and then now she's dating someone who's, like, much younger than her. Ooh. Yeah. It's gotta be a weird situation for Bella. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Because um, I was about to say, I like to imagine like some random minor league baseball player, theoretically, in my mind, I was thinking in his 40s, but he's not in his 40s. He's like in his 20s, which I don't like to think about a man named Phil being in his 20s. But, you know. <laughs> uh, anyway. Phil Collins in his 20s, just very upset. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, her or Philip DeFranco. Uh, her favorite movies are Pride and Prejudice, Vertigo, and Monty Python and the Holy Grail. I have not seen any of those movies. Not the Holy Hand Grenade. Uh, her favorite scents are Lavender and Clean Laundry, which is I can I can agree, but also incredibly generic. Like you couldn't I have picked something. Love Lavender though. No, it smells lovely. Do not get me wrong. I love the smell of lavender. It's one of my favorite scents as well. But it's like, I feel like when you're writing a book character, you give them like an interesting favorite scent rather than just like what most people would consider to be like a really good scent. I feel like a lot of her answers, though, are on the generic side. Generic. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. She, her favorite candies are black licorice and Sour Patch Kids. Um, I don't understand. candy is Sour Patch Kids. What? Everyone's favorite candy is Sour Patch Kids. Yeah, Sour Patch Kids are amazing. uh, Again, a pretty generic (laughs) answer. Um, she also likes Beauty and the Beast and The Empire Strikes Back, which Edward agrees is really good. Yeah. Um, she would like to travel to Prince Edward Island, New York, and England. Uh, she has visited Santa Monica, but she never got to travel much outside of, uh, Arizona, which Edward is concerned by. He wishes that he could, like, take her to see a bunch of different things. Um, as far as books go, she likes the classics like Austin and Bronte, but we already knew that. She also likes fantasy and sci-fi, which is wild considering she barely knew what a vampire was. She's not Almost super hard to believe. Yeah. I like I already said she's not super into music. Her favorite flowers are dahlias. Uh something that I didn't include is that she wants to like teach or like be a librarian or like she wants to work for a publisher as an editor, which is something that like we never knew that she had any aspiration 
at all. Like we, th- she had like mentioned going to college in Hawaii at one point, but like we never knew that she had any like career aspirations or anything. Um, and then she talks about Phoenix and all the reasons she loved living in a bright, warm place. And they, she goes on about that for several pages. I appreciated that part for one reason and one reason only. And it was that she pointed out the fact that the sky in Arizona looks almost white instead of blue due to how bright it is. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not crazy because Texas's sky always seems like a very pale blue mm-hmm. to me compared to normal blue skies. And I fucking hate it. Yeah. I wish it, it was deeper so, blue. It looks so dull. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, Something that we get out of that conversation about her home in Phoenix is Edward is like, what's your room like? And she's like, uh, now or when I lived there? And he's like, what's the difference? And she's like, well, now it's a yoga studio. My mom shoved all of my shit into the garage or something. And he's like, isn't there a third bedroom? And she's like, oh, yeah, that's her craft room. Renee is an awful person. Do do you have a problem with the right way Renee acts as a human being? Renee? Okay. So, (laughs) Bella moved out of her mother's home and went to go live with her dad so that her mom could travel with her new husband. Which means Renee probably isn't in that house very much anymore. Which means she has no fucking reason to pack up her daughter's shit and throw it in the garage and turn her bedroom into a yoga studio. You seem to think that Renee's a shitty person. She is! Uh, She is. (laughs) God, my parents don't live in my childhood home. Neither of them do anymore. Um, So my bedroom does not exist anymore from when i was a kid but if they did still live there my bedroom would probably still be pretty much the same as it always was including the alice standee locked in the closet (laughs) i don't know what happened to that thing i got rid of it at some point but i had it no one knew i had it either because i don't think i wanted anyone to know how gay i was think it's at one if you had just kept it at one point you could have had an avison standee right next to an alice standee <laughs> my old roommate uh had this huge cardboard cutout of the character avison from uh, magic the gathering who is this giant angel lady and we had it like set up on this weird ledge that was in our house that we lived in and it was absolutely perfect up there because there was nothing was going to go there. It was just like a weird ledge overlooking the staircase. <laughs> I can't imagine uh, just a cutout of Ashley Green up there next to Avison. <laughs> oh my god. Anyway, that's uh that's all I had on her answers and stuff. Um I don't really know what to do with any of that information at this point. Yeah, I think, (laughs) so I think what, like, got me about it in the first book was, A, we didn't know anything about Bella. We literally knew nothing about her. Um, We still don't really know that much about her past, um, because she didn't mention any friends or anything. She just mentioned that she had never, like, dated anyone before, or that she mentioned a couple things about her friends, that they, like, went to a group hangout or whatever, but she didn't say, like, oh, I have a best friend or anything. Um, but I, it also bothered me because in my mind, in that first book, those days of like him asking her a million questions were the reasons that he fell in love with her. But that is clearly not the case. Like, we don't really need them anymore. We don't need them anymore. I'm okay with getting them because it it does add to the characterization that Bella skipped over all of it because she doesn't find any of it to be interesting. It's just like, it doesn't really add anything at this point. I didn't need as much as she decided to finally give at this point. Yeah, for sure. It, I, I respect the fact that it was an attempt to correct a mistake. Mm-hmm. 
But one of the biggest problems we had with it when going through the previous series was the fact, like you said, this was why he fell in love with her. But also it was supposed to be where we saw where their common ground lies. Yeah. We don't really see that here because it's not a discussion. It's, it's just him, him asking just a bunch asking of questions. Her questions that she answers. Yeah. So it's like, I, uh... also, I, I think about it and I'm just like, why would you want to have, why would you want to talk to somebody like this? It sounds so dull to ask them an endless stream of questions instead of just letting the conversation naturally develop from the questions you start with because there are multiple times where he's like eh, nope we're sticking to me asking questions i'm like but why? this isn't how people conversate <laughs> yeah it doesn't quite make a lot of sense um but n- neither does any other conversation that they ever have so i i think i can just let it go <laughs> i appreciate the fact she tried to fix something yeah i'll just, I'll just uh-huh. take that even if it didn't really <laughs> Go on. So Ed finds out in Spanish class that Rose and Jasper are betting he's going to kill Bella on Saturday. He's mad, but he eventually lets it go because he realizes there's just no point in being mad about it anymore. Ed drives Bella home and they talk for a while before Billy and Jacob arrive and Edward has to leave. He goes to talk to Char... I almost said Charlisle. I love you, Charlisle. He goes to talk to Carlisle. Then he goes home to Esme who tries to reason with him not to beat himself up so much and just be happy. Don't worry. Be happy. Oh, you thought we were done with singing this episode? (laughs) I was hoping. (laughs) All right. Chapter 14. Uh Uh-huh. Um, it was kind of boring. It was also really short. Yeah. Uh, Charlie spends breakfast worrying about if Bella is doing okay at school. Um, and then at lunch, we find out that Bella has no actual dating history and has never been attracted to anyone at all. Uh, and the same can be said for Ed. What we're learning here is that both Ed and Bella lie somewhere on the asexual spectrum. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, she also wants to be an elective English teacher at a college. And then lunch is interrupted by Alice's vision because it lines up with Ed's plans to go to the meadow with Bella. But the details are extremely unclear. So I didn't realize that the vision that Alice was trying to say was the same place as the meadow he was planning to take her to was the vision where he murdered her. Yeah, you don't get that until the next chapter. Yeah, it's literally, like, they, I don't know if you were supposed to, if she thought we would, if she was trying, but the way it's written, it doesn't seem like it's meant to be coy about what the vision was. Yeah, because they both immediately become upset. Yeah, so it just makes it weird and confusing and leaves you going, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. It's like Emmett during the scene when they had the family yeah. meeting. <laughs> what is going is on? just having a one-way conversation. Yeah, I, I reread this section like three or four times because I was like, am I not getting something? I don't understand what is going on here. Um, We also find out in this conversation that the reason Bella has no dating history... Other than her just, like, not finding anyone to be interesting. Oh. It's because she was constantly busy running her household, including almost always having a part-time job. And going to school. And going to school. Successfully. Yeah. So she was like, I was just always really busy. Like, I never had any time to, like, be with anyone. And Ed's like, I really resent Renee for putting Bella through this. But it also seems like this is just... Like, Bella's not resentful of it. She's, this is just the person Well, of course not. Bella has been trained to believe that this is normalcy her entire life. We've talked about this many, many times. Bella has basically been abused to the point of thinking that everything was great. And it wasn't. Her mother is horrible. Anyway. So Alice finally gets to meet Bella. 
and then her and Ed run away to have a talk and kill in the woods because they go Alice hunting talk and kill oh my god because Alice is going to convince Ed to do what he needs to do to get that dick in <laughs> is that it is that what she's doing yep oh god she Should says I... she loves she loves Bella she does. She like screams at him in her head. She's like, I love her. While we still, Which, that's during the part where we still don't know what's going on. So it's like, what yeah. are you yelling about? I mean, I in any other situation, a character screaming, I love a character that they've literally never met would be really confusing. But I'm like, man, Alice's brain has got to be a fucked up place. To I live. know, right? <laughs> no wonder her choices seem real crazy sometimes yeah for sure so chapter 15 ed and alice discuss alice's vision including one slash many of bella dead in edward's arms and one of bella super depressed after edward leaves i.e the situation that happens in new moon um alice barely sees a future where Bella grows up staying with him as a human, but it's like really unlikely and also really disgusting. Um, They hunt and talk about Alice's vision of Bella coming to the house to meet the family. I am like, the more I read these books, the more I'm convinced that Stephanie Meyer is like, Oh no, (laughs) I almost said something really degrading. Um, that she doesn't think that pedophilia is, like, all that bad. (laughs) Because we know from this book that Edward has the emotions, mentality, hobbies, and desires of a 17-year-old boy. But, like, in theory, we're supposed to be okay with the idea of Bella growing up, becoming an adult, and continuing to be in a relationship with a 17-year-old boy. So, um, (laughs) it's really interesting. I really liked this part because we get a nice look at how the future unfolds in Alice's head. And it's actually kind of interesting because he describes it as like this web work of knots and lines connecting all these different possible futures and uh, choices. No comment on the pedophilia. She's creepy. (laughs) It is really horrifying the way that that it's described because it's It's, like Bella is a little bit taller and she's like grown and she's aged. And not a girl. Yeah. He's like, she's a woman instead of a girl. I'm like, wait, okay. You're, you're drawing a distinction between her now and her in a few years, but you're, you're not going to (laughs) change. Yeah. And I think it does go to show a little bit how naive Edward is, that he thinks that this would be okay. But, like, it's just I, Stephanie Meyer, for some sh- reason, is, like, she does not have as hard a line drawn between adulthood and teenagehood as the rest of us probably do. She doesn't seem to have a hard line drawn on how romantic affection should work in a lot of situations. Yeah. I wonder how much older than her her husband is. I don't know. Look, she really enjoyed kissing that guy at a party in college when she learned how to kiss. Okay. Oh, yeah. That was another Q&A. She was like, my first kiss was a really hot guy who said that he would teach me how to kiss. And then every time she talks about her husband, she's like, yeah, we've been married a while. (laughs) He's my husband. Talks about him like a man with a six pack emptied out next to him already in a garage laying under his car. She does very distinctly say that the man she kissed in college who, like, took her aside and was really hot was not her husband. Yes. So, ugh. I do like the visualization of Alice's visions that we get because she describes a lot of things as being knotted up and not really understanding how you get from one thread on one side to the other side because it's it's all so tightly knotted. 
it's very much like Alice isn't just seeing the future. She's seeing every possible parallel world that could come to exist. Yeah. And Ed even says at one point he that she will talk about events that might happen as things that have already happened because that's how it is in her head. Yeah. Kind of gives more. Uh, we talked about that. Yeah. A couple episodes ago that it seemed it very much seems like she's not able to separate those two. Yeah. Things. He even says that like she flashes through a bunch of visions with the same foreground, but a different background. The foreground being Bella dead in Edward's arms. And but like the scenery changes a million times, um, but it's all the same. And. Would you say that in the end, it doesn't even matter. Oh, my God. God. Anyway, back at the house. Oh my god. Back at the house, everyone bounces so that they can leave Ed on his own. He dresses himself in a button-down shirt he would normally never wear because it shows off his arms. What? (laughs) Just some Lady Dimitrescu for Resident Evil. My brain, my eyes just landed on that. A few (laughs) sentences later in the notes, and I was like, "Did I flip to the wrong tab?" Oh. Nope, no, just, let me get there. The Shut up. There. Shut up. Let me get there. <laughs> I'm obsessed with her. So, of course, I'm going to bring her up in every situation that I possibly can. Shut up. <laughs> Don't kink shame me. Shut up, werewolf girl person. I also love very tall vampires. <laughs> All right. <sighs> he okay. So to to reiterate, he's wearing a shirt that he would normally never wear because it's like a short sleeve, white button down shirt. Um, but it shows off his arms, so he would usually never wear it, and he feels very off. So he puts a sweater over it, <laughs> so he feels safe. Um, <laughs> I feel safe in my sweater. Trans he, rights. <laughs> he heads over to Bella's. I was thinking that the whole chapter when he was talking about her wearing a giant sweater, I was like, I, dude. <laughs> I was also just thinking about the fact that he just kept calling it an ugly sweater. And I was just like. Yeah. Uh, anyway, dude. he thinks back on a time in 1919 when he tested his resilience on a night out and came home to find Carlisle had set up a beautiful Christmas tree for him. The next day, Ed got to meet Siobhan for the first time, who is frankly described exactly like Lady Dimitrescu from Resident Evil, and I will now picture her as such, and learned that Siobhan was obsessed with vampire gifts. He remembers the time he spent away from Carlisle and Esme, hunting terrible men, and then Alice calls him, back in the present, uh, to let him know that his odds of not killing Bella are higher than ever. The way... He describes her is, he says, it reminded me of the War of the Spark novelization yes. line that people made fun of so, make fun of so much where um, Chandra says she likes decidedly male people. For those of you not in the magic community, uh, this was bad because for years there was a relationship set up between her and another female character. Uh, it was hinted at. It was like driven slowly toward. And then there were feelings that were revealed and then immediately fucking abandoned because Chandra's like, I just prefer decidedly male people. Very masculine, beefy. And then Ed's just over here like, yeah, Shaban's very female. Her extremely feminine physique. Yeah, he's like her she's very female features of her face. Because he was saying that she's super tall and like a little more brawny, but she's not masculine at all. She he even says she is aggressively feminine. Yeah, she's aggressively feminine. And like it literally just gave me like, and he even says she's like like glossy black hair and stuff like that. And she's very curvaceous and she's got a beautiful face. Bro, it gave me straight up Lady Dimitrescu vibes. And if you and if you if you somehow exist on the internet and do not know what I'm talking about, I need you to go look up Resident Evil Village Tall Vampire Lady and you will understand what I'm saying. Because she is nine foot six 
and she's got badonkadonk and giant bahooza what's-its. She is so hot. I'm so obsessed with her, and I'm so glad that that is the description that we got. She literally picks up a piece of furniture in a scene and just tosses it across the room. Yeah, so when she first encounters you in this game, she comes up to you, grabs you by the neck, and she's like, oh, it's so nice to meet you. And it's like everybody who saw that trailer was like, oh, God, fuck, yes, it is. Oh, I'm so <laughs> glad I met you. It sucks that she's a villain, because I just want her to step on me. Do you actually want her to step on you, or do you want her to make sweet, sweet love to you? There's this TikTok sound. Okay, hear me out. Hear me out. There's this TikTok sound that goes, dude, you're the one who wants to fuck Michael Myers. Dude, I don't want to fuck Michael Myers. Uh, Look at me. I'm like a third of his size. How would that even make sense? I want him to fuck me. (laughs) (laughs) And that encompasses my feelings about Lady Dimitrescu. I don't want to fuck her. No, no. No, no, no. I want Moth her to fuck Moth wants me. Lady Dimitrescu to fuck them so hard. <laughs> and then and a werewolf. meanwhile, Brandon can go have a foursome with Lady Dimitrescu's three hot vampire daughters. Fair. Fair. There's one of them. So like spoiler alert, they're villains, right? So you got to you got to kill them, right? There's one of the daughters who the entire time that you kill her, she just flirts with you the whole time. And Bran- Brandon was like, mm, "She's my favorite." <laughs> she flirts I with play you the this whole game, time. But I also won't play Resident Evil games because I don't do horror. It's really good, but again, I like horror things. I would recommend you just like watch someone else play it. At least up through Lady Dimitrescu's castle, because it's really good. It's not, it's not like disturbingly scary. It's just like, oh, there she is coming around the corner again. You know what I mean? I don't think anyone cares about this. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, that's the end of all of our shit. So like, (laughs) they're going to hear me talk about this tall woman. Okay. What are your feelings on this episode my feelings on this episode sorry no these five chapters these five chapters i was gonna say this episode chaos (laughs) uh these five chapters it was fine it wasn't as fun as the first part um which the second part also wasn't as fun i think it was more fun i think it was better than the second part I think the second part had, this part still had parts that were like just rehashings of the stuff we already saw, but I think the second part had way more of that than this one did. I think we got more new content out of this section than we did the the second one. I did really appreciate chapter 15. Chapter 15 was the strongest chapter of them because we had the insight into Alice's brain working and we got to see that piece of Edward's past with Siobhan and Carlisle. Yeah. And that was interesting to see. So chapter 15 was probably the best. I don't quite understand why he suddenly had that memory. I think it was just because it was a happy memory of when he, of the Christmas tree. But like, I appreciate getting to see it. Shaban is the entire reason that he started killing people. Oh, yeah, because she implies that drinking human blood is like the greatest joy you can have as as a vampire. And he never understood it because even after years of doing it, it only left him feeling guilty about what he'd done. But with Bella, he now understands it because he's found his greatest pleasure. Yeah. Okay. Should I should I do socials or, or or do you have more comments to make? No, I'm done. Follow us on Twitter at 2020 Twilight Pod. M is at M of Many Names, and I'm at Sarah S. Wilton. Shoot us a coffee over at ko-fi.com slash 2020 Twilight Pod. Email us at literarymasterspod at gmail.com. Uh please come send us any kind of message. Our DMs on Twitter are always open. We're always happy to receive emails. Steffi sent us a love letter in our email the other day. 
Um, the entirety of it was just, this is a love letter <laughs> from Steffi. Please support my OnlyFans at uh, <laughs> OnlyFans.com slash BigManTitties3. Brandon! What? You Brandon is the fans. size of like a walking stick. <laughs> oh what big man titties? <laughs> he doesn't have big man titties. He's very slim. Photoshop baby. <laughs> Photoshop baby. Oh, I, you we, do have the Adobe Suite. We do have the Adobe Suite. Uh, he his interruptions are becoming more and more frequent. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for this week. Uh, Everybody have a good one. Moth is going to get stepped on by Lady Dittonesca. We'll be back next week with uh, chapters 16 through 20. Here's hoping. Oh, God. What now? I have a request. Okay. Uh, So... Belle is a character in Twilight, right? Yeah. Which has vampires and and like lichens and stuff. It has nothing to do with Resident Evil. We've already talked about it so much. I I have a request. So there's a vampire named Bella in Resident Evil Village. Uh, Someone draw Bella from Twilight as Bella in Resident Evil Village. Okay. We'll see if anyone draws that. If we have any lovely artists listening. I'll I'll cash app you $3. You don't have a (laughs) cash have a cash app i'll get i'll download cash app okay got it stop (laughs) are you done you have one shoe on i i thought of it really really importantly (laughs) really importantly (laughs) oh my god we'll be back next week with chapters 16 through 20 i hope you enjoyed this absolutely chaotic episode goodbye (laughs) vampires